What's going on, Victory Church? How you doing? Good morning. My name is Troy. Me and my wife, Darla, get the incredible privilege to pastor this church. And if you're visiting with us this morning, we want to say welcome. Thank you so much for coming out in the summer. And to everybody who calls Victory Church home, we are so glad you are here. We're hoping that you're being able to enjoy the summer, have some family vacation time, enjoy the kids. But how many are ready for school to start back already, right? There we go. And all the parents said, amen. There we go. If you don't is you don't understand. Uh, I got to share a testimony with you real quick of what God's doing. We have an email, mystory at tnvictory.com, where if, if you want to share something that God's been doing from any kind of a, arena area, whether it's serving, uh, just different things, we love to get up here and say, hey, here's what God's doing through this church, but most of all through you, okay? Every testimony we ever read, we get to say it's because of the dream team. It's because of your giving. It's because of something you as a church are doing that gets testimonies like this. And so I want to share it with you real quick. Really, really cool story. Um, I don't have it on the screen. Here we go. All right. Just wanted to drop a quick line and say thank you for speaking God's word to us every week. That was very sweet. Victory Church is beginning to grow on me. <laughs> well, that's good. like a fungus, you know. Uh, I must admit that at first I was coming each week for my daughter. This is so cool. It has been a very long time since she has been so excited about God and going to church. So as a parent, I came for her. If you're, again, if you're a parent, you know what it's like to come for your kids. And so to ensure that she was being fed the Spirit and live her life the way she's supposed to. In other words, I wanted to make sure she wasn't going to one of them weird churches. Um, and so we left our church when she was 17, and I searched for something that would be for the both of us, but I never found it. I come from a Pentecostal background, and I lean towards a more traditional worship service. However, I needed something that would also grab the attention of a teenager. And I could never find a happy medium, so I finally ended my search and began to enjoy, I love this, having lazy Sundays at home, right? That's the problem with, uh, with live streams. Some of y'all are having lazy Sundays right now trying to watch church. Um, everyone was friendly, and I enjoyed your sermons, and my child was happy and thriving, so I was content. Something, however, clicked yesterday. This was a couple weeks ago. There, there was no grand aha moment or fireworks, just a quiet voice in my head saying, you are here for a reason. He said, I don't know why I'm here, but I feel like there's a specific reason, and when it happens, I'll surely let you know. I'm glad to call Victory our new church home, and I look forward to serving more and getting to know everyone better. Come on, can we just give God praise? So cool. Such a cool moment. So excited about this. So send more testimonies. Let's keep sharing. Um, also, July 3rd, Tuesday night. We will be in our community from 5 to about 9.30 is when the fireworks go off at the July celebration that Smyrna does. And we're actually going to have a little area. We're going to be doing some balloon animals and some face painting, uh, free for the kids, and just an opportunity to be out there and tell people about the church, get the awareness out so that more people can come and have stories like that. So do me a favor. If you're not, uh, if you hadn't already planned on serving or something like that, we kind of did that through the Dream Team. But if, if you can, just come on out, come by, say hi, enjoy the celebration, support the community, be a part of the town. I will say this, it's the best fireworks show I've ever seen. I will say that. I'm really excited. Last year we went, there was about 50,000 people there. It felt like, I don't know how many there really were. Uh, don't let that scare you off. But it was a great time, inflatables food, so I encourage you, come out there. Cool? One more thing and then we'll go. So uh, we'll get into the sermon. A few, probably about a year or so ago, maybe longer, Darla and I went to an event called the CMN uh, something. I don't even remember what it was called. But it was, it was for church planners, kind of prepping church planners to plant. And I, I met this guy, and, and it helped that he was like, you ever met a guy who you know he walked right off a of GQ magazine? You ever met a guy like that? Like, you just stare at him and wish you looked like that? That's what I do with Malcolm all the time. Um, 
And so I, I met this guy and, and just connected with him, loved his spirit, and got to know a little bit more about him. And kind of kind of has a worship ministry background, but God has put it on his heart, him and his wife, Sarah, to plant a church in downtown Nashville. All right? So I'm so excited about this. And here's why I'm excited. It's called Bridges Church, okay? And this is why I'm pumped about it. Number one, I believe God is going to wreck the city of Nashville. I just believe it. I believe this entire area, all the counties, I believe God is going to move. And, and, and Victory Church and Bridges Church and every other church, we are just one more avenue for the Spirit of God to operate through. And, and there's different, you know, he, he's, he's, he's a little different than me, and he's got this cool style and this style. And it's just awesome to see how God's using them. They're meeting in a place called the Listening Room, a really cool spot. We met lunch there. And so, look, if you've got somebody in the downtown Nashville area that you know, somebody who's really into music, whatever that might be, share with them about Bridges church in Bridges, Nashville, so they can come out and check it out. But I want to take a second. Curtis, Sarah, if you guys will stand, anybody with your team, will you just stand for a moment? Uh, I was going to make you come up stage, but I don't want to do that. I don't want to have to make you come through there. Actually, I'll tell you what. Come, come stand right here. I want everybody I want everybody look. I want to put you on live stream. All right. I told you, all right. GQ model, right? All right. Turn, turn around and face, face them. All right. Here's what we're going to pray over them. Now, here's, here's a cool thing, and he already knows this. We're not bragging. But we got the opportunity to be able to bless them a little bit. They go into, uh, is it C C Centennial Park? Is that what that's called? That big Nashville park? He's like, I don't even know what you're talking about. Um, it's like a big park area that they go to. They get to set up. And we were able to, and I have it today, we're, we're able as a church to give him a tent. It's 20-foot by 10-foot tent that they can use to be able to, to share and give and, and bring awareness to their church. And, and I'm saying this in front of you so you can hold me accountable. One thing we've told them is let us help in any way possible. Let us be let us be a hand, whether it's knowledge, whether it's fine, whatever we can do to help. He's an incredible leader, and they've, they've already blown it out of the water. And like I said, their location's amazing, and we are so excited about this church. And so share the news, Bridges Nashville, get on there, Google it, share the website, tell everybody about it. Let's get that church full, and let's get more people saved in the kingdom of God, right? So here's what we're going to do. For a moment, I want to pray over them. They launch in September. What's the actual date? September 16th, okay? Here's what's crazy. We were originally going to launch Victory Church on September 16th. We were originally going to do it. And so they technically, we're like twin brothers. It's what we are, okay? And so we ought to be in favor. Just kind of stick your hands out. We want to take an opportunity. Lord, we thank you so much. God, you're so faithful. And Lord, we are so privileged to be able to stand here today with you and to be a part of this incredible church. And God, what you're going to do through Bridges, what you're going to do through Pastor Curtis and Sarah and their team. God, I've already met a lot of their team and they're incredible people. And I just know you're going to bring hundreds and hundreds that, that need exactly what you've put on the heart of Curtis and Sarah. Lord, people in that Nashville area who need a church that's representing you and lifting up the spirit of God. And I pray for salvations after salvations after salvations and rededications after rededications after rededications, water baptisms, marriages healed, bodies healed. And God, you're going to do it through the, you're going to do it through the anointing of worship that you put on his life and Lord, his ability to communicate through worship. I'm so thankful for my friend. I'm so thankful for how you're using him. And God, the anointing just comes right off of him. And so we celebrate, Lord. We celebrate Bridges Church, and we lift up Bridges Church, that, God, you would use them in a mighty way. I pray right now for open doors, God, that you would send team members that they need, God, that you would send every area, every situation, every plan, every process that they need as a church to be able to be successful and to be able to see your hand. And that, that's our number one prayer, that your hand of favor would be on this church as they move forward, and we'd be able to celebrate with them all the lives saved and changed through Bridges church, God. We give you all the praise and glory. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Would you give a hand real quick for Curtis and Sarah and Bridges Church? Thank you, man. I love you.
Appreciate it. Man, so excited. I don't even want to preach anymore. I just want to let, just go to Bridges Church, all right? Um, so so I, just, I just love what God's doing through people. I love when people step out in faith and get used by God like that because lives will be wrecked. You know what I mean? It's just going to be an incredible, incredible opportunity. Um, all right, what was I doing? What were we here for? Um, all right, if you've got your Bibles, open up to the book of John, chapter 16. John, chapter 16. Um, we have been in a series called Seven, where we've been talking about how to hear the voice of God better. And so we've really been believing that God's going to do something great through our church. And so in order for us to have faith, faith comes by hearing. And so we want to build our ability to hear the voice of God. And, and we call it seven because, look, God could speak to us through any way he wants to, okay? As a matter of fact, if you follow the Bible, he spoke through donkeys, he spoke through burning bushes, he spoke through whatever he wants to speak through. But we tend to see, when we follow scripture, seven common ways that he tends to speak to his children. And so we've been kind of breaking those down. And so we talked one week about how he speaks through his already written word. We talked about how he speaks through our desires. We talked about how he speaks through our pain. And then last week, Brian brought an incredible message about how God speaks through people. And I loved it because he did two things. One, he talked about how God speaks to, to us through people. And he asked that question, who in your life has spoken to you? You know, just an incredible thought. And then he flipped it on us and said, and now God wants to speak to people through you. And, and just an incredible concept. And so it's just been an awesome series. I hope you've been getting something out of it. We've also had Saturday morning prayer in, in, in conjunction with it while we've been in the summer. 8.30 to 9.30, come out and pray with us, just trying to hear the voice of God. We have a lot going on in the new year when August launches in September. And so we just want to get in line with what God's saying to do. And so today, just for a moment, I'd like to talk to you about how God speaks to us through the Holy Spirit. God speaks to us through the Holy Spirit. A couple weeks ago, Darla and I wanted to go on a date night, and the SOAC, Smyrna Outdoor Adventure Center, was doing a parents' night out. And so we dropped Vade off at parents' night out, and we went, saw a movie, Jurassic World, and, and went and had some food. And, and we came back to get her. And my, my daughter, uh, Veda, she is, she, she's never met a stranger. You can take her to the public pool. She'll have a best friend in 30 seconds. Like, she, she knows how to have a good time. And so we go pick her up, and we ask that rhetorical question you ask your kids, did you have fun? And, and, you know, if there was food and, and nonsense, they had fun, right? And so she gets in the car and she goes, no, not really. And me and Darla are both like, what? what? What happened? And I wasn't prepared for what she said next. I said, uh, why didn't you have fun? And she goes, well, Daddy, I saw a ghost. Huh? At the Smyrna Outdoor Adventure Center? No ghosts hanging out there, you know what I mean? And so, so the more we talked through the process, her and some friends, they, they felt like they saw some ghosts. But the part that made my day was towards the end of the statement, she said this right here. She goes, you know what, Dad, I, I think I know what it was. And I said, well, what was it, baby? She goes, well, out of everybody that was there, it was only me and three of my friends that saw the ghost. And I said, okay. And she goes, and we were the only ones who had chocolate milk. Well, yeah, that's it. That's the problem right there. You should have never had chocolate milk. You know? but, but I thought it was so funny because I think we tend to treat the Holy Spirit like a ghost story. You know what I mean? Like, like there, there are so many things about the Holy Spirit that we either turn our head to or we almost fear because of miscommunication and misunderstanding. Uh, everybody gets the Holy Spirit packaged in a different way. And so depending on how you received it, how it was packaged to you when the first time you ever experienced it kind of dictates how you feel about it. I, I know many Christians who they don't want anything to do with it. And then I know many Christians who've kind of taken it a, a kind of 
out of the lines, and it's kind of gotten carried away. Listen, we know in, in this current culture, here's how the Holy Spirit is normally packaged. It's normally packaged around the Acts experience and the concept of boldness and power coming upon you and the speaking of other tongues. And so that's normally how the Holy Spirit's being packaged. And when you get that package, you either dive into it or you fear it. Or, or, or let's put it this way. You don't fear it, but you don't understand it. And so you kind of push it aside. And, and I want to talk to you this morning about this. Number one, the Holy Spirit's very important. Very important. It's spoken in the Bible over 800 times. Do you think God would speak about something over 800 times and yet it not be important? I don't. I, I think it's very important. But I think there's more to the Holy Spirit than just the concept of acts and just the concept of speaking in other tongues and just the way it's been packaged, packaged today. I think there's so much more to it. I think it's important for us to understand all of the attributes of the Holy Spirit so that we don't ignore it and miss out on what God's trying to say. Amen? So let me show you. In uh, John chapter 16, I'm going to show you the importance of it. Verse 7, it says, but very, this is Jesus talking to his disciples, but very truly I tell you, it's for your good that I'm going away. How could that even make sense? I've been walking with you, Jesus. Imagine walking with Jesus, all right? Imagine having that guy that every time you have a dumb thought or a weird thought or a question, you can just be like, hey, Jesus, what do you think about this, right? Like, like this. I mean, he's right there with you the whole time. And all of a sudden now he says, it's better for you if I go. I've been married for 11 years. There's never been a time in my life where it was better for me if Darla went. That, that's never happened. And, and so I had a hard time, you know, understanding that. But, but here's what he's saying. He's saying, look, if I go, then the Holy Spirit in this verse, is called the, he's called the advocate because he's the Holy Spirit, the advocate, the counselor, the comforter. He's all these things. The advocate will not come to you unless I go. So he's saying it's important for you to have the Holy Spirit, so important that I need to go be at the right hand of the Father until my triumph return, and I will give you him, the Holy Spirit. And here's what I believe. Jesus was still man at that moment. So Jesus was not able to be everywhere at one time. He couldn't be over here with Mark. He couldn't be over there with Paul. He couldn't be over there with Timothy. He couldn't be here, there, Galatian. You know, he couldn't be in Galatia. He couldn't be in Ephesus. He couldn't be, he could be in one place. So he said, it's better for me to go and be with the Father, and I will send you a helper, an advocate, a counselor, a comforter. I will send you him, the Holy Spirit, and then he will be able to be with you and everybody at every time. So the Holy Spirit can be with you and 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 with me. The Holy Spirit can be with my daughter right now. The Holy Spirit can be at Kroger right now. The Holy Spirit can be at home with all you lazy people watching online. The Holy Spirit can be with everybody because the Holy Spirit, that's why it's better for Jesus to go and the Holy Spirit to come. And God gave us the Holy Spirit to speak through to us. And I want to show you three ways that I believe that we are missing out on when it comes to God speaking to us through the Holy Spirit. And number one is this, through counseling. I think God speaks counseling to us through the Holy Spirit. In John 16, verse 13, it says, But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will guide you. He will not speak on his own. I thought this was really interesting. He will not speak on his own. The Holy Spirit, watch this, never shares his opinion. The Holy Spirit never gives you a thought that is his. The Holy Spirit only speaks to us what he hears. And Jesus said, I only speak what my 
Father said. So the only time the Holy Spirit ever guides us, he's guiding us by the word of God. So so Jesus sends this Holy Spirit to, to, to guide us. My daughter, the youngest one, Casey Ray, she real short little thing. And she likes to, she's, she'll give the phone, you know, and she's so funny. She's in a stage where if you give her the phone, she'll be like this. And she'll walk and not pay attention to anything around her. And so she's just walking. And so we'll get out of the car and she'll have the phone. And we're like, and here's what I'll do. And maybe, parents, you've done this. I'll just kind of, and now I've gotten so used to it, I don't even pay attention. I just put my hand on top of her head because that's how tall she is. And I just move her wherever I want to move her, you know. I'm just like, so if, if we're walking, there's a sign. I just boop, boop. And she just like literally goes where. She has no care about life. Just, and she knows daddy's guiding her. It's so funny. She, doesn't, she, has, she never once looks where she's going because she completely trusts the guidance of her father. And so the Holy Spirit is there for God to guide us through the Holy Spirit because we will do things we think is God. Then don't look at me like it ain't you. We do things all the time, and we even say God told us to do it, but we know it was all us. And so God sends the Holy Spirit to guide. One of the best stories I'd ever heard, it was through a friend of a friend, but this story blew my mind. The the guy I'm talking about, he was getting ready to plant, well, well, let me put it this way. He was on staff at a church for years, nice-sized church, and he all of a sudden felt felt the leading, whatever word you want to put there, that he was supposed to plant a church. He was supposed to leave his church and, and plant a church. He wasn't the pastor. He was like the youth pastor or something. Um, and so he went and told his family, and his mom pulled out a checkbook and wrote a $10,000 check and slid it to him. I was like, that would have been enough confirmation for me right there. If my mom would have gave me 10 bucks, I'd have been like, oh, Jesus is in this, you know what I mean? Like $10,000, and she slid him this check, and so he went and told his pastor, and his pastor was all for it, and a couple weeks go by, and he starts to feel a guidance, as he says, from the Holy Spirit, that he wasn't supposed to plant the church. So he's got in his hand $10,000, and now he's got this guidance that he's not supposed to plant this church. And when he was telling me this, I'm like, man, I could have never done that. Like, like, and now I'm going to preach next week on doors, because that's how God speaks to me, is through doors, opened and closed doors, which is why I wasn't in this particular situation. Um, so then this, the story gets around, and he, he goes back and tells his pastor, I'm not going to do this. Now watch this. A, a man from the church walks up to him and writes him a check for $100,000. Curtis, can I get an amen, right? When is that going to happen? 100000 I told him, I was like, that would have been my con. I'd have been like, God, you, I don't care what anybody tells me. This has to be you. I just got $100,000. But he still said that the Holy Spirit was guiding him to do something different. And so he told the gentleman, he said, I'm not going to plant the church anymore. You take the money and just put it back in the church. Because that gentleman went to the church that he was on staff at. So you just put it back into that church. A couple months go by. All of a sudden it comes out that the head pastor of the church he was on staff at had been doing all kinds of bad things, illegal things, sinful things, had gotten the church like $100,000 in debt and all this stuff. And it came out and they fired him. And then they, my, my buddy, they promoted him as the head pastor. And he went and got that $10,000 check and he got that $100,000 check and he brought the church out of debt. Wow. That's the Holy Spirit guiding my problem is, I go, that makes sense. <laughs> I got 100 grand, let's do that. You know what I'm saying? But God says, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to guide you. So don't ignore the Holy Spirit. Don't get freaked out about the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit knows what you don't know. And so the Holy Spirit puts your feet in certain steps. And even though the left doesn't make much sense, you got to trust the Holy Spirit to guide you. 
Another thing it said in John chapter 14 that I thought was really interesting, not only does he guide, but watch this. It says, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things, watch this, and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Remind you. I started thinking about the concept of a counselor, right? Whether you have dealt with a guidance counselor or maybe a counselor in a courtroom or a marriage counselor or whatever. If you've noticed, they don't ever actually teach you anything. You ever thought about this? They ask you questions about stuff you already know, and then they go, how do you feel about that? That's what counseling, I find it so like me and Darla, like we're the best marriage counselors, we don't say nothing. It's just like, well, you know, well, what happened at your house? Well, he did this. How did you feel about that? Like you could have had this conversation by yourself. You didn't even need us, but it's the principle of counseling. So the Holy Spirit reminds us of things we already know. Listen, and this is so true. We would be fine never learning a new thing ever again. You have enough knowledge of God to be able to have victory in your life if you could just remember what you've already been taught. What if spiritual growth isn't about learning something new, but remembering what you've already been taught? If you think about it, we remember the dumbest things, right? The the things we remember compared to the things that we forget. Let let me give you an example. who was born in the 80s? Who was born in the 80s? Raise your hand. Okay. Who was born in the 70s? Anybody born in the 70s? Um, anybody born in the 90s? Anybody born in the 90s? All right. I guess you could be born in the 2000s. You'd be like, 2000. anybody 2000, 2001, 2000? All right. So check this out. Wide range of people. Anybody born in the 60s? 60s. All right. 50s. Anybody born in the 50s? Anybody born in the 40s? What would 40 make you? 78? You know? All right. Um, so check this out. Let's see how, if you can do this little obstacle with me. In West Philadelphia, born and raised on a... Maxinol, Raxinol, Coolinol. When a couple of guys started making trouble in my... My mom got scared. She said, come on! Come on! Why do we remember that? There's people in this room, that show came out before you were born. There, some of you, Will Smith's 180 years old. Why do we remember that? We remember things and then we forget the things. Let me, let me, I thought about this. If you could just remember some of the stuff you learned since we've been open as a church, which has been like five months, all right? And so I wanted to give, a, here's a couple of thoughts. These are just some of the things we've learned as a church, okay? We've learned that pain is not a detour on the road to greater. It's a landmark. Man, if we just remember that, right? I learned that because after I preached pain, I was sick for two weeks. Uh, what you identify as exceptions, God sees as qualifications. Some of you are like, oh, man, that was good. Yeah, I preached that weeks ago. You didn't listen. Faith should be built on what God says, not built on what you see. Perfection keeps us stuck between aim and action. Uh, God's no to one thing is his yes to another. Jesus came so that you may have hope for your hopelessness. If you can identify the pattern, you can fix the problem. The world says let a fence build. God says let it go. What some call waste, God calls worship. Man, that's good. Here's what I thought about. What if I just started re-preaching sermons I've already preached before? Y'all been here after service, you'd be like, oh, Pastor, that was so good. I'd be like, mm-hmm. I don't know. You ain't remember nothing. I, ain't, I, could, be, I could be at the swimming pool on the, on the, on the chair while y'all. Look, we, were, we forget 
the things we're supposed to remember. I, I was going to, is Jamal, Jamal, are you in here? Where would the worship team go? Jamal. Hey, Jamal, come here, run, run, run. You knew you was coming up here. Don't play stupid. Okay, so um, I, I didn't tell you I was gonna come, you were going to come up this early, but, but, but I want to show you what we're missing out on. Hurry up, run. You, 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 come on. Pants too tight. You can't run. Quick. Get out of my closet. <laughs> All right, stay right here. Stay right here. So the Holy Spirit, it's going to get really awkward for the rest of the day, okay? Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, step, step. Holy Spirit guides, keep stepping, guides us. Hey, you're going too fast. I'm the Holy Spirit. Stop. Holy Spirit guides us, and then when it needs to, it reminds us, right? That pain is not a landmark. Life's not detours. This is a landmark. You're, you're great in God. See what I'm saying? So the Holy Spirit's there to, to guide us. Keep walking. Step. You can start walking a little bit normal now. Like you like Jesus on, or, or Peter walking on water. You're scared. Okay. So he starts to guide us, and then he's here to remind us. Here to remind us. You know, you're not defeated. You're victorious. Now turn around. Go this way because we don't want to get out of the camera. All right. So keep on walking, and then he's reminding us. So when you ignore the Holy Spirit, you ignore this relationship. Now he's not there to guide, nor is he there to remind and so if we're careful, we get caught up on one attribute of the Holy Spirit that we don't fully understand that we'll teach about that on another day. But this is what I really want you to learn is that the number one responsibility is for him to guide and remind you. And when you turn your ear off to the Holy Spirit, you have no guidance and you have no remembrance of what you've already learned. Sit down on that bench because I'm really going to use you. I really brought you up for the next point. You see what I mean? So the Holy Spirit's there as a counselor. He guides us. He reminds us. Number two, God speaks to us through, con- uh, what was the word I used? Sorry, confronting. The Holy Spirit's there to confront us. Watch what it says in John 16, verse 7 and 6. But very truly, I tell you, it's for your good that I'm going away. This is the verse I read a minute ago. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Watch this. When he comes, who's he? Holy Spirit. I answered the test for you. Got an A. He will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. When the Holy Spirit comes, he will come to confront you in your sin and judge you. When people read this, they go into what I call the tattoo stage, which is only God can judge me. You know what I mean? You go into that mode. Listen, here's here's what is true. The Holy Spirit is the only one responsible and successful at convicting people of sin. Let me say it again. The Holy Spirit's the only person responsible and the only person successful at convicting people of sin. Everybody go, whew. You are not responsible of convicting people of their sin. It's not your responsibility. It's the Holy Spirit's responsibility. When I was youth pastoring in Memphis, people would come to me because we'd have kids and, you know, young people. And we had this, like, young people leadership team. And they'd come to me and they'd start trying to point, you know, you know how we are. We like to point out sawdust in people's eyes when we got a plank in ours. And so people would come out and start, you know, well, you know, he's in that relationship and, you know, she's doing this and they went to that and they did this. And I would, they would always say, you need to go, you know, bust them out is the words they would use. You need, in other words, you need to go convict them of their sin. And here's what I would tell them. That's not my responsibility. My responsibility is to preach the word of God. And if I preach the word of God, the Holy Spirit convicts. Now, I can, I, it is my responsibility to mentor. It is my responsibility to give advice and to give thoughts and to give direction. But I'm supposed to pray and preach the word. Pray and preach the word. And it happened all the time. Young people would come over to me. We'd go grab coffee or something. They'd be like, man, I don't know what it is, but, you know, me and Tanisha, we just, we, we just aren't a good fit. I think I'm going to break up with her. And I'd be eating my McDonald's like, mm, tell me more, you know. <laughs> because I've been preaching and praying 
and now all of a sudden the Holy Spirit's convicting, and I never had to set that person down and go, you are in a wrong relationship, you need to get out. Because here's what I've learned. When you do that to people, they put them walls up. And then once they get hurt, they look to you and go, why didn't you tell me? I did try to tell you. So we need to understand that the Holy Spirit's responsible for conviction. In case you've ever wondered if you felt this, the world likes to call it conscience. I just, I felt it in my conscience. No, you felt the confronting of the Holy Spirit. And so he was trying to speak to you. The problem that we have is when we hear Holy Spirit and confrontation or Holy Spirit and conviction, we see it the wrong way. Let me give you an example. Just hang tight one second. We're going to get to you. Um, so I'm going to tell you this quick story. One time, Darla and I, this was back, we lived in Memphis, and I took Darla, and we had two friends, uh, Cody and Jordan at the time they were dating, and we took Darla out for her birthday. And so we got home, it was late at night, and we were in the house, and the girls had gone into, I think Veda, I don't think we had Casey, I think it was just Veda, and they had gone into the girls' rooms and was dealing with them, and me and Cody were standing near my front door, and it's about 11.30 midnight, and you hear a knock on the door. Boom, boom, boom. Exactly. We live in Memphis. I was like, you know, so, just kidding. Uh. And so I looked out the door, and there was nothing there, like nobody there. And we had like kind of a long yard, so it was like, I didn't know how that could happen. And then all of a sudden it hit me. That knock was on this garage door, which was right here. That's even more intimate, right? Now you're in my garage. So I opened the door and seen it. And me and Cody walked out, and we walked out into our front yard, and we looked. And I lived in a cove, and so if someone was going to run or drive away, I would have seen them. I would have seen at least their taillights or something. And so I'm like, that's weird. Maybe we, maybe we heard it wrong or whatever. And so we go into the house and we tell the girls what happened. And then all of a sudden I had this thought, my backyard. They could have knocked on the door and ran around my backyard. So me and Cody, because we're not the biggest people in the world, thought we better have protection because I don't know who's going to be. So we got those headlamps, you know what I'm talking about? My father-in-law gave them to us. You put them like a band around your head and you got a little light right here and you can flip it to red or, or, or party style. Doom, 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 doom. We flipped on regular and, and Cody got a bat. And I got a golf club. And he went one way and I went the other way around my house. And we met in the backyard and, and nobody was there. And so here we stand looking at each other in the backyard, headlamp to headlamp, golf club and bat. And I'm like, man, I don't know. So we walk back around the house and we're standing in my driveway. Imagine this picture if you can. Me with a golf club. I think it was a nine iron. And um, it's the only one I have. And, and the headlamp and him with the bat. And we're standing in my driveway and we're like, man, how could... And there was this little black car standing in the, or sitting in the cove, lights off and everything. But we just assumed it was a car at a neighbor's house. We didn't think anything about it. And we're sitting there looking, trying to process it through, figure it out. And all of a sudden, that car started up. Lights hit on. And we were like, whoop. And it started to move. So we took off running down the sidewalk. And we jumped in front of the car. Bat, golf club. We were like, ah! I'm not making this up. We were like, ah! And the car slammed on its brake, and there was three teenage girls in the car. And they were like, ah! Crying tears the whole nine. And I'm like, and I knew them because they were in my youth group. And so I'm like, what are you doing? And so they get out, and they were like, they're crying. You know, and they're like, we wanted to come tell Miss Darla happy birthday. And we wanted to decorate the garage, but you didn't have the garage closed. So we thought if we knocked on the door, it would scare you, and you would close the garage. But then you got to the door. This is going to get really good. Then you got to the door real quick, and you scared Natalie. And Natalie ran into your neighbor's backyard and hid in your neighbor's backyard. And we ran into the car, and you scared Natalie so bad that she used the bathroom on your neighbor's rocks. True story. He said, but then when you went in the backyard, we got in the car. But then you came around the corner with the golf club, 
and a headlamp, and we didn't know what to do. And I was like, yeah, come to my house again. Little teenagers need Jesus. And I thought to myself, the whole reason I told you that story, is when we think about the Holy Spirit confronting us, I think we picture him with a golf club and a headlamp. As if he's mad at us. As if he's about to beat us. You know what I mean? Like, you just, you ought to, you just, you're so bad. I'm here to whoop you. I'm here to bend I'm going to whoop you. But the more I research the word confront, the origin of the word, <laughs> come out here for a second. See what happens when you get in the dream team? You never know what could happen to you. You sit and face this way for me. Face this way. When we think confront, we, we say eye to eye. The origin of the word actually means forehead to forehead. So, so confronting, look up, what you doing? I'm here to convict you of your sin, brother. So, sorry, my forehead's going to be sweaty. So, I'll tell you what, go ahead and stand up. We won't use the chair. So, when, so mar- marriage lesson 101, when, when you need to confront your wife, don't yell at her, put your forehead on her forehead. It's the quickest way to make it up in the bedroom, all right? Forehead to forehead. It just, never mind. That's another topic. So this is what confront looks like. So when the Holy Spirit comes, do you know how hard it is for me to be angry at Jamal like this? Like, how can I be stern? Like, I can't believe you did. <laughs> See, he can't even stand it. And so you got this relate. Come on, go and walk with me. Go and walk with me. So when we try to move, the Holy Spirit is confronting us, saying, hey, 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 you're going the wrong way. That's what the confrontation is. The conscience that you start feeling, turn this way, because we don't want people who sit over here to miss out. Um, when you start to feel the conscience telling you not to date that girl or not to take that job or not to watch that show or don't turn on that computer, it's not a golf club and a headlamp telling you how a horrible person you are. It's the Holy Spirit trying to get in front of you and confront you and say, hey, 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 listen, you're going the wrong way. I love you, but, but the Lord wants you to go this way. And so if you'll just stay forehead to forehead to me, if you allow me to confront you, see how he's going with me? And then I'll get you back lined up in the right spot. Look at what Romans says. Let's look together. All right. Look at Romans. It says, those who live according to the flesh have their what? Minds what? Set. Look at me. Minds set. Those who, let's look back. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires, for the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. So the Holy Spirit comes to guide you and remind you and to confront you so that he can put your mind set on the Spirit instead of your mind set on the flesh, because if your mind's on the flesh, you follow where the flesh goes. But when your mind's on the spirit, you follow where the spirit goes. And now it plays into the guidance and the remembrance. And now the Lord is able to direct and lead you into life. Come on and give God praise for that for a moment. I'm just kidding. You're going to take that with you. You know what? Sit right there. I'm not done with you yet. This is going to get really funny here in a moment. So... There's so much you could teach on the Holy Spirit. He's, he's a guider. He's a counselor. I thought about a comforter. He's a comforter. 
And I started researching comforters. <laughs> that's what some of y'all are. Don't look. Next week, y'all ain't going to come to church and be like, I was at home in the presence of the comforter. And I'm like, that's not what I meant when I told you that. I, talked, I, I thought about the fact that the Holy Spirit gives us boldness, and that's so true. That's the Acts concept. I've been praying over your cards that you gave from Greater Things, and me and Jay were praying over them uh, yesterday, and we looked at the stack that it was about this many, probably half the cards had to do with give me the boldness to speak the gospel or to give me the boldness to you know, share the gospel with my family or praying for your family to be saved. Church, we are a church that needs boldness. And we've got things coming up that we need boldness for. And that's, that's another attribute of the Holy Spirit. Acts 1.8, for it comes upon you and you are given power. You know, again, uh, was, it, was it Peter that, that couldn't even, that, that denied Christ to a young lady and then experienced the Holy Spirit and now he's preaching to thousands. And so there's, there's the concept of the Holy Spirit. Now, I believe because Jesus has already gone to heaven, I believe when we accept Christ, we're given the Holy Spirit. And I'll talk more about that down the road. But I'm just trying to give you the attributes of the Holy Spirit. But here's what you need to know. If you are a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit in you. It's in you. So he's already in you. He's already guiding you. He's already directing you. He's already leading you. He's already convicting you. Okay, some of you this morning, when you got up, you put on some clothes, and then the Holy Spirit, I'm just kidding. Um, and so, so he's already, he's operating. And, I, and the more I tried to wrestle with the last thing, I, I was brought to this verse in Corinthians, and watch this. Or you, you, Here's the third point. He helps us with communion. Okay, now some of you are like, he don't help me drink that juice. What's he talking about? Walk with me for a second. Second Corinthians, it says this. Now, now, uh, there, this, is, this is a benediction. If you know what a benediction is, it's kind of a prayer at the end of a service. We don't do that here. But, but this is what this is in Scripture. It's kind of a, I guess we kind of do. But, but this is like the prayer at the end of what was being said. And he says, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, right? So Jesus is grace. The love of God. So Jesus, grace, God, love. And watch this. The communion of the Holy Spirit. I thought, hmm, what, what does that mean? If, if Jesus' main responsibility is uh, grace and God's main responsibility is love, you're telling me the Holy Spirit's main responsibility is communion. And so what is communion? Communion is an intimate uh, 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 exchange of feeling and emotion. And so I started thinking about the origin of this word because here's what you need to understand. The Bible, so the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, the New Testament was written in Greek. Okay, it wasn't written in English, in case you didn't know that. And so they took it and they translated it. And so every time you see Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, it's from the word ruach. Ruach. And I, I might not be pronouncing it right. I think it's got like a at the end, like ruach. Um, but if I figured if I do that, Dallas is like, he's going to spit on me. Um, and and so, so Holy Spirit, ruach. Whenever you saw it in the New Testament and the Greek was translated, it was translated in the word pneuma, okay, P-N-E-U, pneuma. Both words mean the same thing, which is fresh wind or breath. So every time the Holy Spirit, this is why they struggled, this is why they actually decided to do Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost, because they didn't want to do breath. Because imagine going, God the Father, Jesus the Son, and his breath. You know what I mean? Like, that'd be kind of hard. It's might be like, you know, does he have a tic-tac or, you know, what experiment? What's happening there? And so they translated it to Holy Spirit or, or Holy Ghost. But here's what I love about it. The Holy Spirit is supposed to be a fresh wind of God and a fresh breath of God. If you've ever been on the ocean, if you've ever been on a boat, my father-in-law has this boat. And we'll go on in the lake and feel the wind in my hair. And it's so, ref- I don't have a lot of hair, but it's so refreshing. And here's what I thought. All right, bring the stool. You come here. I wasn't going to do this, but life happens. Um. So, sit down. So, we've seen the posture of the Holy Spirit, right? Jesus, help us. Um, One posture is guiding, remembering. Next posture is convicting. And third, hold me. Hold me, Jesus. I was not prepared for this. 
all my life. I pray for someone like you. Look, I've had to move all weekend. I'm probably just trying to get some rest. But it's the communion. Hold me, man. Act like to get you married so you know how to hold somebody. Uh, the, the communion with the Holy Spirit. I used to hear people say stuff like, man, that service was spirit-led. Or, man, the spirit was thick in that place. And I used to be like, oh, weird. But there was some truth to that. Because the Holy Spirit's responsibility is to allow us the opportunity of communion with God while we're still on earth. Because we can't do this right now with God physically. We're in heaven. We'll worship him for eternity. So the Holy Spirit's responsibility, God's responsibility is to love you and show you his love. Jesus' responsibility is to operate in his grace. The Holy Spirit's responsibility is to give you communion with God while you're on earth. So when you're in your car and you all of a sudden feel the presence of God, that's the Holy Spirit. Communion. We do a lot to try to prepare this place. Our production team, our worship team, they work a lot hard to make this a place that feels like a place where you're experiencing the presence of God. But you can experience the presence of God walk upstairs. But I'm just telling you that every time you feel the presence of God, it's the Holy Spirit. And he's providing you an opportunity for communion. Well, I'll let you let me get off. Oh, Jesus, help me. Don't go anywhere because, you know, you sing it. Um, so I started thinking about the fresh wind, fresh breath. And there's this place, uh, I, think, I think if you pronounce it right, I think it's the doldrums. Those of you that are really intelligent, you'll know. Um, in the Atlantic Ocean and the Pacific Ocean, there's a specific area where there's no wind blow. Just no wind blow whatsoever. So if you're on a sailboat and you hit the doldrums, you just stop. No movement. You're still a boat and you're still a sailboat, but you're not going anywhere. There's no, there's no wind. There's no fresh wind to move you. And when I saw that, I thought, this is the case. As a Christian, this is you. And the Holy Spirit is the wind. And so many of us live a Christian life without the wind. And it gets real exhausting. And you deal with life and kids and problems and finances, and bills, and finances, and bills, and finances, and work problems, and dating problems, and kids, and I'm trying to minister to you here, and all these different things. And let, let, can, I just, can I just give you a little, can I give you a spoiler alert? Life is hard. And just because you struggle doesn't mean you're not a Christian. Doesn't mean you don't love Jesus doesn't mean you haven't committed your life to God. It's just hard. And there's moments where you're going about life and all of a sudden you stop. We, we got done moving. We moved for two days and thank you to everybody who helped us. It was so incredible. And I got home early before my, my wife and her parents did and I was sweaty. I didn't want to lay on our furniture. And so I laid on the floor. I laid on the rug and fell asleep. I was exhausted. Now, that's the picture I see of a lot of Christians. And it's because we've ignored the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit was meant to be that wind. That refreshing breath. 
to give you that courage and that push to keep going. And when we ignore it, we have no guidance. We don't have any remembrance. We don't get the conviction. And then when we're exhausted, we get no end. And here's what we say. This Christian thing ain't no different than non-Christian. Right. Because you left out one third of the Trinity. So just because you don't understand some things, don't ignore it. Because he was sent to allow God to speak to us through all those ways. And I thought, what would be a good way to wrap this up? And I thought the best way would be to give you an opportunity to get some wind back in your sails. And so the band's just going to lead us for a moment into a song called Here in Your Presence. And I just wanted to give you an opportunity. I'm, I'm done. I'm going to walk. I'm going to come down right here with you. And I, I just wanted to give you an opportunity to worship, give you an opportunity. Look, you do whatever. You can sit down. You can stand up. You can run, cut cartwheels, whatever it is you do that gives you refreshment into your spirit. But you know what tomorrow is? Monday. And I want you just for a moment to experience what it's like to have some fresh wind in your sails so that when you leave here, you go, I liked that. And I'm going to start recreating that in other environments. All these songs you've ever seen, you can buy them on iTunes. Put them on your phone, put them on the desk, and get lost in your room in the presence of God and have communion with God through the Holy Spirit. So if you are going to stand, would you stand with me right now? If you're not, don't worry, you don't have to. But if you're going to, I just want you to close your eyes. Whether you're sitting, whether you're standing, close your eyes. And I just want to give you an opportunity for the next few minutes to get some wind in those sails. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we thank you for your Holy Spirit. We thank you for the guidance. We thank you for remembrance. We thank you for the conviction. And by God, we thank you so much for the communion that we get to have with God through you. Lord, our bodies and our spirits yearn to worship you in eternity. And God, these are the moments we get to experience right here on earth. And so we worship you, Jesus.